I'm Father Mitch Pacwa, and welcome to EWTN Live, where we bring you guests from all over the world. Tonight, we will learn about an Italian-born nun who sought permission from Pope Leo XIII to establish missions in China. But instead of sending her to the east, he encouraged her to go to the west, to the other part of the world, United States and South America, where she began her work with immigrants who were living in severe poverty in places like New York City, then Chicago, and other places as far south as Peru. She was canonized in 1946 and became the first American citizen saint officially getting her citizenship in heaven. And she's also the universal patron saint of immigrants everywhere. Here to tell us more about her life and work, please welcome the rector of the National Shrine of St. Francis Xavier Cabrini in Chicago, Illinois, Father Ramel Fajardo. Father, Welcome. Thank you it's very much. It's great to have you here. Thank you very much, Father. Yeah. Now, one of the things I like about your story, we were talking earlier today, you yourself are an immigrant. Yes, I am. Yeah. yeah. My mom and dad were very privileged to come to the United States, and I was born in the Philippines, but grew up in the United States. We came in 1970 and had an opportunity that many people would have loved to have gotten. Yeah. And to really experience what America is all about and the gifts that we can receive by being an American, but also the talents and the skills that we as immigrants can bring as well. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, and um, certainly people all over the country are well aware of the uh, many, many immigrants from the Philippines who have come here and doing, especially in medical care mm -hmm. uh, of all levels mm -hmm. of medical care, doctors, nurses, and other uh, medical uh, folks, medical staff, and uh, as well as seeing F Filipino Catholics all over our parishes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, one of my priest friends said they're the life of his parish. They're you very know, faithful. They're very faithful. Not only faithful, but as caring in the parish as they are in the hospitals. Mm. It's very, very impressive. Mm -hmm. Very impressive. Mm -hmm. So, you know, one, as one more group that has come to the United States and made this great contribution as immigrants. But this job of being the rector of the National Shrine of St. Francis Cabrini is not your only work. This is sort of a side job for you. What do you do mainly in the Archdiocese? I'm a priest of the Archdiocese of Chicago and ordained in 2004. And did one turn at a parish assignment my first assignment was at St. Clement Parish. Oh yeah, sure. And after six years, Cardinal George c called me in and asked if I would consider taking studies in canon law and signed off on it and I was able to do my studies at St. Paul University in Ottawa, Ontario. Okay. And I started my work at the tribunal in 2013. Okay. And it's been a wonderful experience. My, my life trajectory has been completely, you know, sent in a different direction, a different kind of ministry. Yeah. Very, very proud of the work that we do uh, to, to bring justice for, for our people. And in uh, April of 2021, the Missionary Sisters of the Sacred Heart of Jesus 
called me up and asked if I would please speak with them and consider the position of rector and mm -hmm. also, I guess, chaplain to the nuns themselves. Now, why would that group ask you? Because the parish is important. The, the hospital and the chapel were within the parish boundaries of St. Clement. Right. And but isn't that the name of the group that Mother Cabrini founded? This is, these are her nuns. Yes, These are exactly. her nuns. That's what I was getting at. Okay. So these are the nuns, <laughs> the order of nuns she founded. Correct. As a, a missionary from Italy to the United States. To the United States, States right. So it was, it was a real privilege to meet with the sisters, and they, they invited me to consider. And when I said, sure, I acceded to their request, and they petitioned Cardinal Supich and got my, uh, my appointment for a three-year term. Okay. And it's a, on a part-time basis, but with a lot of emphasis on pastoral work for the sake of making Mother Cabrini known. 2021 is the diamond jubilee of her canonization. 75 years, first American citizen saint. Okay. And I thought, what better way than to have the Holy See proclaim a jubilee year? Okay. Now, Mother Cabrini, at her canonization... By the way, is, mm. is that going to be a jubilee year for the whole church or for the Archdiocese of Chicago? For the Archdiocese of Chicago. Okay. And I, I was just impressed when I saw the pictures of Soldier Field filled, I believe, 120,000 attending a Mass of Thanksgiving for her canonization. Yeah. You know, 120,000. Mother Cabrini's influence was absolutely spectacular, but, but in an ordinary sort of way, service. Mm -hmm. Medical care, the orphanages, education, all those things. And really, the, the heart, the hearts of the sisters, just putting their lives into service, that spoke very eloquently of what, what we at the Shrine are always saying about Christ's love heals the world. As a matter of fact, the, the, another sign of her influence was uh, a few years ago when the last mayor of New York said that he wanted to have more statues of women mm -hmm. throughout the, the city of New right. York. The first woman, the, the woman who topped the list was Mother Cabrini. Right. They, they wanted her statue. I, I'm afraid that his wife put the kibosh on that. Uh, she wasn't so open to a nun being one of the women. But, she, but Mother Cabrini was the popular choice mm -hmm. for the same reason. Right. Same reason. And in fact, the whole idea of Mother Cabrini being a visible, living presence of Christ's love. The Missionary Sisters of, of the Sacred Heart place their emphasis on the heart of Jesus. It's the heart of Jesus which reaches out to the world. Mm -hmm. you know, the whole idea of Margaret Mary Alacoque uh, seeing our Lord and knowing our Lord truly through his love of his heart. Now, here's Mother Cabrini doing this as a missionary, mm -hmm. doing this for the sake of her Italian compatriots who are facing incredible difficulties in yeah. New York. Just yeah. terrible. In fact, just the, the whole idea of thinking of poverty, the, the level of poverty that she encountered in what we consider New York. I mean, this is, this is the capital city of the world. Yeah. You know, my yeah. friends in London would, would say otherwise, but yeah. <laughs> here's New York City yes. and the kind of well, poverty. We can at least see the capital of the Western Hemisphere. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Although my friends in Buenos Aires would, would probably challenge that. Yeah, but. yeah, let them. <laughs> 
So Mother Cabrini is the living expression of the heart of Jesus. She always pointed to the Sacred Heart. Yeah. This is Jesus. We bring Him. And I, I believe all the saints would have said that anyway. But yeah. Mother Cabrini did it through His most sacred heart. You know, and th this was very important. You know, my own grandparents were immigrants. And my grandmother said, I came here, they told me the streets are paved with gold. But in those days, there were horses everywhere, and it wasn't gold it wasn't that gold. was all over the streets. <laughs> you know, and it, in life was very, very hard for her. And, you know, trying to raise, being a single mom, raising children mm -hmm. in the 1920s and 30s Chicago. Okay. And then, you know, the, and that's the story of so many of the immigrants. It was just typical. Right. And the Italians came uh, and found similar situations. Right. Uh, and they were hungry, starving. Right. You know, it wasn't easy. Mother Angelica's mom, and she used to just eat a bit of salami and some crackers. That's all they had. That's all they had, yeah. yeah. This was the way it was, and right. uh, especially during the Depression. The, the whole idea of spreading our Lord's love to as many people as possible, it, it, in Chicago was manifested really with what I experienced at Columbus Hospital, founded in 1905, where the chapel was consecrated by Cardinal Stritch in 1955. The whole idea of having health care available, not yes. just to Italians, but to Catholics and to all. Right. to all. Right. This is Christ reaching out and that's the sisters were most eloquent in their service to all people. And you know, Chicago uh, actually honored her twice. The very first how public housing project was called Cabrini and that was over at uh, Taylor and Racine mm -hmm. and Roosevelt Roads. Mm -hmm. it was, low level, uh, mostly for Italian immigrants, mm -hmm. and they named that very first housing project after her because of her commitment to the poor. And then later on, a high-rise public housing called Cabrini Green was built on the north side of the mm -hmm. city. So there, there are many honors shown her because she was so humble in her service to the poor. Absolutely, and the, the whole idea of Mother Cabrini being able to serve and to really that compassion was such an inspiration to the city of Chicago. Um, Mother just had a touch, was able to touch so many people. Yeah. And the whole idea is, again, to touch people and then make them new disciples and apostles to all the world. Well, one part of her attitude was uh, to get the Italians that she was working with, Italian immigrants, to make sure that they kept a balance, becoming fully American, be become good citizens of this country right. without losing your Italian roots. I mean, can you imagine what it would be like without Italian food in this country, but, but learning their Italian roots right. and most importantly, letting the faith in Jesus Christ and his Catholic Church mm -hmm. hold everything together. Right, be the center. Mm -hmm. Mother Cabrini found it very necessary to remind people that we must have thanksgiving for the great gift of coming to the United States. This, this is a privilege and a gift Mm -hmm. And we are thankful for what we have received. And we as well have gifts that we can offer. Exactly.
Exactly. So, and the one thing that will always keep us united across the board is the Catholic faith, that universal faith that so many different ethnicities and, and people from around the world hold. And that's what makes us unique. There is a unity in our diversity. Mm -hmm. And Mother said, yes, be a good citizen, be a very good citizen, and never forget your Catholic faith. Live it. Live that faith. And, you know, one of the things that I, th I think is very important about Mother Cabrini is that in popular culture, especially in Hollywood, uh, bad people get a lot of the attention from in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. And there's been this extremely imbalanced perspective on Italian immigrants through movies about the crime syndicates and stuff. That was not the majority story not at, all. at all. I mean, it, it's so absurd. Uh, to, but that's where the attention was. I mean, the Italians built the railroads. Mm -hmm. They worked all over the country right. uh, and had their own neighborhoods and built churches. Mm -hmm. I, it's, it's a rich, profound story. Exactly. And, you know, I, I like the way that Mother Cabrini is a, a vehicle for letting this other part of the story that is not Hollywood, but is real right. come forth. Right. In fact, I know that EWTN, for example, had a uh, movie out of Mother Cabrini, I believe in 2018 or 2019. Mm -hmm. yes. There's also a new initiative that's being produced. It's a movie called just simply Cabrini. And I was privileged to see the post-production film, and it is an amazing, amazing exploration of the first, I'd say, year and a half of her time in New York City. And it's not what you would call a religious movie, but suffused throughout was the inspiration of Our Lord, His Most Sacred Heart, uh, Our Lady, her faith, and it showed her in action. It's, it's literally faith in action mm -hmm. and how she arrived in New York and how she had to start. It's just, it was in the movie, Sisters, we're going to America. Going forward, we speak English. And right from that start, it was just action, 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 because it's real life. It was gritty. Uh, they showed New York and the, what the immigrants had to live in. And I even asked the producer, was that, was that really true? And Mr. Eustace Wolfington, the, the producer said, yeah, we, we found these pictures and we copied it to show how profound uh, destitution faced these new immigrants. Yeah. So it's a new movie, it's, it's coming out, it's going to be probably toward the end of this year. There, it's up for uh, nominations in the various film festivals. Yeah. To, nice. It's a very well done movie. Excellent. And it's important to remember, we live in a different time where today there is more help from the federal government and some of the state governments mm -hmm. for people coming to this country. Mm -hmm. That really didn't exist. No. If anything, there was a certain hostility towards the immigrants, especially because they didn't speak English right. coming here and because they were Catholic. Mm -hmm. Anti-Catholicism was very strong. Um, in fact, in I think the it was the 1888 election. The Republicans ran 
uh, an anti-rum and anti-Romanism. Mm. They were against drinking and Catholicism right. as part of their platform. Right. Um, so the, the anti-Catholicism was quite strong. Very strong, very strong. And all the various European immigrants for decades faced that exact same problem. Right. I think the Irish in many ways were fortunate to be speaking English. Yes. The capacity to speak English kind of paved the way. Yes. Uh, the, the discrimination was profound anyway, but yes. they spoke English. Then the Germans, then the Poles, mm -hmm. and then the Italians. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the language barriers just were, were just even more incapacitating. Yes, they, they were. And I think, you know, especially in folks from southern Italy and Sicily who came to the United States, northern Italians tended to go to Argentina and southern Italians came to America. Mm -hmm. And there was a racist attitude toward them because their skin might be a little bit darker. That was another factor that came into there and a lot of nasty names and uh, were called against them. So that added to the difficulties. Right. And the trauma is, the trauma is, was profound. Mm -hmm. When that's the sort of hostility you, you encounter upon landing right away, how can you have any kind of hope unless it's in Jesus Christ? Right. All right. right. So these, these immigrants needed the church's presence right. right away. And no matter how good the, the archdioceses were to prepare their people to receive the new immigrants, sometimes you're just overwhelmed. It's just such a new experience for all of these people. Sure. Everyone concerned that Mother Cabrini was, I guess, an injection of fresh perspective and a, and a different way of thinking that's fresh, new, and it came from, came from Rome and with instructions to help our people. In Chicago, Mother uh, Cabrini also started a hospital, Cabrini Hospital, mm -hmm. besides Columbus Hospital, mm -hmm. uh, Columbus being very popular among Italians because mm -hmm. he was Italian, mm -hmm. um, but also Cabrini Hospital, and um, she lived in that area which is where the Jesuits have mm -hmm. a parish, a holy family. And uh, she was, a lot of stories among members of my province about how <laughs> she would come and when the rector would see her walking down the sidewalk, he knew she was coming to ask him for money. <laughs> <laughs> how, can you know, how can you say no to a sister? <laughs> well, what he tried to do was hide. He, he hid <laughs> under his desk, so she knew something was up. So she went and sat in his office, <laughs> and after a while of sitting under his desk, he just took out his handkerchief and waved the white flag <laughs> and said, okay, what do you need this time? Brilliant. But, uh, yeah, but I mean, it was that he was running a school and a parish. Right. So, and they weren't, and a grammar school, high school, grammar school, and parish, right. and a college, all in one complex. So they didn't have a lot of money, but they had more than she did. So exactly. that was, you know, and you she know, went everywhere. When you're on fire for Christ, then you're capable of doing a lot of things that you thought you'd never have to do. Yeah. And I think begging for money, yeah. asking for people's understanding and charity is very difficult. It's particularly difficult. So Mother Cabrini having to kind of almost embarrass herself to be asking for money all the time. Mm -hmm. But... When you've got a vocation, when you've got God's work to do, I don't think it really bothers you. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. Especially someone like Mother Cabrini knew that she was asking for this, not for herself or her sisters, but for these very, very poor people. Right. That was her primary concern. That makes it much easier right. when you're not asking for you, but for right. a hungry child. Right. Or a sick person. Yep. Or, or families that are living in destitution to prevent them from giving up and, and losing all hope. It's important that she especially established hospitals. I think she established more hospitals than schools, mm -hmm. am I right? Yes. Yeah. And, you know, she came to and saw the perceived need for medical care mm -hmm. for these poor folks. Right. How, did, how did she get started? Because she wasn't a doctor herself, was she? Right. She relied on her friends to advise her and the various gifts that they had. So in pulling it all together, she said, there's this medical need. There's this distinct need for health care. And from her friends' hearts, do you see the vision that I have? Do you see the need that has to be met? Can we do this? And she mm -hmm. would pull together the collective genius of people and their generosity. Mm -hmm. And their generosity. It's, it was very important to do it in a way that harnessed people's generosity and love. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's, that's a key thing. Now, uh, in doing that, and this is, it's amazing how many institutions she started all over the world, right? Right. Well, besides the United States, where else was she? I am quite the novice on Mother Cabrini, so I was, I'm really learning a lot more about her. So one of the key factors was her fear of water because of a moment in her youth where she almost drowned, mm. she was very afraid of water. So for her to travel the ocean back and forth between Europe and the United States and then all the way down Central America, South America, as far as Buenos Aires, right. founding institutions for the sake of others. And this was a very strong fear of hers. And she did it, I believe, 27 times, 27 journeys. It was necessary for others, absolutely necessary. There was a quote that uh, from one of her prayers uh, I'd like to read. It says, stretch every fiber of my being, dear Lord, that I may more easily fly towards you. May your spirit, which once breathed over the chaos of the earth, give life to all the powers of my soul. Now, she never flew across the Atlantic. No. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't exist. But she had to get on that boat, and she confronted her fears. Yeah. But not even fear could slow her down, because she was living life for others, and especially for the Lord. In this, you know, not only fear of water, but also this, this incredible energy Mm-hmm. that she had, uh, that this is an incredible drive. And it's a drive that, you know, we saw in people like uh, Mother Teresa of Calcutta, mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, certainly we saw it here at DW10 and Mother Angelica, Mother Angelica right. that th there's just this incredible drive that comes 
from the love of Jesus Christ. Yeah. It's not just hyperactivity. No. It's very directed, very focused, and energized by Christ. It's always Christ. Mm -hmm. I, uh, in my own preaching and in my own spiritual life, I like to take the words of the sacred liturgy to, to heart very seriously. Through him, with him, in him. Mm -hmm. Any of my parishioners, any of my friends know he's going to bring in through him, with him, in him. Because it's very important. Jesus Christ, yesterday, today, always, forever, he's the center. Yes. He is the purpose, the reason, the love, the goal, everything. Mm -hmm. And Mother knew that. Mm -hmm. His heart was something that inspired her. It embraced her so she in turn could embrace. Now, one of the things too about her, um, you know, she was born in Italy. How did she even get started with this missionary drive? What, what was going on inside of her to open her up to this kind of missionary drive? Her sisters as catechists and as teachers saw the need, but over time, just like many religious founders and foundresses, you know, there was more. There's more that I can do. Surely, Lord, there's more I can do. Mm -hmm. And that impelled her, plus also hearing about the stories of the immigrants going around the world. Mm -hmm. And she always said, there's always something more. All the great founders felt that. Yeah. And so the spreading of the doctrine of our Lord, the spreading of his love and care, that social dimension was important as well. What year did she begin to, her, the mission? When, when did she come to the United States? Oh, I knew you were going to ask that, and I wish I had remembered. I believe it was 18, uh, I want to say it was like 1898? Mm -hmm. Could also be 1880. I'm, I'm, I'm a little off, but I believe it was 1880. Okay, so still in the, in the 19th century. Right. Just, you know, at the kind of the early stages of the Italian immigration yeah. to the United States. Yeah. So she was there at that very early stage. Right. right. And as I recall, she took the name in religion of Francis Xavier mm -hmm. because Francis Xavier was the patron saint of the missions to the east, to China. Yeah. Yep. yeah. And so, uh, he, and he had only seen China from an island. He never got there. Right. But she took his name because she was also inspired by him to go on mission. And keeping in mind as well, these ancient missionaries back in the 1500s, that the first missionary impulse, after St. Paul, but the great missionary impulses of the 15 and 1600s, these great missionaries left their home countries knowing they may never come back. Yeah. Most likely they would never come back. Right. So once right. they left, they were they were on for our Lord. Right. For the rest of their lives. Right. Not as severe in the 1800s for sure, but nevertheless, Francis, uh, Francis Cabrini just said, no, I, I've got work to do. I've right. got work to do. Right. There's no time to rest when there's so much to be done for the Lord. No, in her day, there were steamships that were coming over here. Um, you know, in Francis Xavier's day, it took him two years to get from Portugal over to India. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and then another year to get to Japan. Right. Uh, so, it, you know, it was a different time. Very different time. And she was able to crisscross the Atlantic that, in a way that was 
unthinkable right. in the 15 and 1600s, but yeah. was able to recruit more women to come and join her as well. Right. Technology should never be a limit because if, if it had to be a sailboat, hey, the missionaries did that. But she had mod more modern steamships crossing back and forth. It was extremely uncomfortable for her traveling in steerage mm -hmm. because, of, uh, because of the obvious conditions. Also expressed solidarity with the immigrants mm -hmm. and combating her fear, her fear of water, her fear of, you know, what, what lies ahead. We don't know what lies ahead. But yeah. she said, I don't, it doesn't matter because if the love of Christ compels me, then I have work to do. And, you know, when you mentioned that they came here on steers, that's how my grandparents came over and most the immigrants. Um, you know, it, they weren't going to those balls and great dinners right. on, the Atlant on the Titanic. You know, that, <laughs> that, that's not the way it was. Well, it and was, that story didn't end well either. So. No. <laughs> That's not a good idea to tell God that he can't sink the ship. Right, exactly. Um, <laughs> well, I got some big icebergs. Francis Carini said, no, our Lord will make this work. Yes, exactly. But, you know, they, you know, they would have to bring their own food sometimes. All this. this was very difficult. And, again, they overcame those difficulties for love of Christ and for love of the poor. Right. That's right. Absolutely. We have to take a little break. We're going to come back in a couple of minutes. If you have any comments or questions about Mother Cabrini, we ask you to, to call in, and we'll be back with you then. God bless. speaking with Father Ramo Fajardo about Mother Cabrini. And if you would like to find more about her, you can go to mothercabrini.org. Also, you can look up the Missionary Sisters of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, uh, her order, uh, and they'll give you more information. And you can also go to cabrininationalshrine.org. CabriniNationalShrine.org and the National Shrine of St. Francis Cabrini, which is in Chicago. We'll tell you, tell you a lot more about that. Now, this is, before we get to our, our callers, um, this is a Jubilee year. Why this year? It's the 75th anniversary of her canonization in 1946. Okay. And it technically would have ended in 2021. But when I took over in July of 2021, I thought, wait a minute, we haven't celebrated her appropriately. So I asked Cardinal Supich to petition the Apostolic Penitentiary in Rome mm -hmm. for a jubilee decree for the, for the National Shrine and the Archdiocese of Chicago. And Cardinal Piacenza gave us not only mm -hmm. the plenary indulgence, but the holy doors. So mm -hmm. those who do a pilgrimage to the National Shrine gain the plenary indulgence when they cross through those holy doors and also join in Mass and the various devotions that we have at the Shrine. 
Yeah, and of course, when you get a plenary indulgence, it includes the usual requirements the usual that requirements. you have to go to confession and Holy Communion within a week either side right. of the, receiving the indulgence and make a firm resolve not to sin. Correct. Um, and uh, also offer prayers for the intentions of the oh, Pope. Father. Mm -hmm. This is um, you know, part of getting a plenary indulgence, but you can do so by going over to the shrine uh, in Chicago and visiting there. So uh, not only people who live in Chicago, but anybody in the world can go there uh, and, and visit that. And also at Holy Name Cathedral. Oh, what's going on at Holy Name Cathedral in Chicago? In addition to the National Shrine, Holy Name Cathedral has a set of holy doors, same, uh, same conditions in celebration of Mother Cabrini's canonization, 75 years, as well as the dedication on October 15th of a new statue of Mother Cabrini to be installed in our courtyard uh, by, the, by State Street, facing the street where we know for a fact Mother Cabrini would have visited Holy Name Cathedral, sure. would have worshiped sure. there. Sure. And the whole idea of bringing Mother more prominently, she, she's a Chicago saint, and yeah. our first American citizen saint really should be honored. And especially yeah. in her Jubilee year, her 75th anniversary, I thought this was a perfect opportunity to make a commitment, a solidarity with our Italian-American community in Chicago, as well as a reminder that she was canonized through the work of Cardinal Mundelein and Cardinal Stritch. This was, mm -hmm. our, this was a cause that Chicago took to heart. She died in Chicago at Columbus Hospital in 1917, and Pope Pius XII actually waived the 50-year requirement in order to get the thing started. Okay. So we in Chicago have a special obligation to this woman. She is our saint. Yeah. And we propose her once again a reminder that an American citizen saint, a, a woman religious, and really an inspiration in our times, especially questions about immigration, health care, uh, child care, all the various issues that she struggled with, they're still there. And we need our Lord's heart placed right back in the middle of all our activities, right back in. And as someone unlike you, I was born in Chicago. <laughs> you just continue to live there. But Chicago doesn't have a particularly wonderful reputation as a sainted place. You know, the, the, the Windy City title is not because of the weather. No. It's because the politicians in Chicago were blowhards. And so they, um, they, that's what gave it the name of right. the Windy City back in the 20s. Uh, Actually, because of the Columbian Exposition. Oh, is that was it even earlier? Even even earlier. So in 1892. Right. Uh, well, actually, it started later because they couldn't finish in time. <laughs> right. But it was, uh, yeah, so in the 1890s, they're already called, uh, you know, the Bullhearts. And, you know, that, that, that didn't stop in the 1890s. No. Plus, we did have crime syndicates, not oh, sure. only Italian. There were Jewish, there were Polish, there were Irish gangs, you know, all these different groups. Uh, and it's not known for holiness right now. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's so celebrating a saint yeah. in the city Absolutely. is a great idea. Absolutely. Maybe others will catch the idea. <laughs> Let's go to a call. All right. All right. Thomas yes, in Tennessee. How are you? I'm doing well. How about you, Father? Fine as frog hair. That's great. <laughs> yeah, split three ways and polished on the edge. That's pretty fine. 
That's very good, Father. Well, I have a little story to tell you and then a question. Yeah. So if you will let me take a little bit of your time, tell you this quick story. Um, My parents were first-generation Italian in this country. Uh, We're originally from Baltimore. Surprisingly, I'm not from Tennessee. And um, they would organize a bus trip to New York every year. And the bus trip would, would uh, primarily was intended for La Festa di San Gennaro in Little Italy in New York. Right. On right. Mulberry Street there. And uh, before we would go to the feast in Little Italy, the bus would take us to Upper Manhattan or the Lower Bronx there near Fordham uh, to uh, Mother Cabrini's body. And if I remember correctly, I think it's incorrupt. And um, anyway, we would view the body and say our prayers in, in front of the, the courts, and then we'd go to the feast. So my question is, and by the way, I was always under the impression that Mother Cabrini was primarily the patron saint of Italians. Uh, but as you mentioned, she's probably the patron saint of all immigrants in the United States. But anyway, my question is, is why is her body still in New York, if it is still in New York, I don't even know that to this day, because I was a young man when we went to New York. Um, why is her body in New York at the shrine in Chicago? Yeah, what's going on there? <laughs> well, it's this, I guess, cross-country rivalry. Uh, <laughs> Mother died in Chicago in 1917 at Columbus Hospital. Right. And she was returned to New York. I've been told that she had requested to be returned to New York uh, to be buried where her great endeavors in the United States began. Mm-hmm. It was very important for her to be back where it all began. Mm-hmm. So what was left in Chicago, uh, the old tradition of the church of creating relics was to leave behind her upper arm, her mm-hmm. uh, humerus, I think it's called. Mm-hmm. So it was an opportunity for her to remain in Chicago at the same time as being returned home to uh-huh. New York. Okay, but the shrine is still where she actually died. Yes. Okay. Yes. The, right. In Chicago. In right. Chicago. And and I won't even bring up what the Chicagoans say about <laughs> what the New Yorkers did to get the body. We'll just leave that. Inside. And I know she's there still in New York. I was at the shrine in New York uh, about a month ago. Okay. So she's yes, still there. Body's still there. That's good. All right. Um, the. Um, we have another caller. We have John, who is in Steubenville, Ohio. John, what can we do for you today? Hello, Father Mitch. Uh, you came to my house and prayed over my wife years ago uh, when she was sick with cancer, so I just want to tell you thank you for that. Oh, um, I'm glad to do that. So I, I grew up out in Colorado, and when I was a child, we had a woman who had met Mother Cabrini when she was a young child herself, and the farmers were having to carry water and she wanted to know why they were doing this. And so she made this sacred heart in the ground out of stone, and the water started to flow. And we have this big shrine in Golden, Colorado, the Mother Cabrini Shrine. I just wanted to know if you had any information of what those years were that she was there. Um, I'm sure it was the late 1800s, early 1900s, um, because this woman was born in the late 1800s. She was like five or so when she met Mother Cabrini. Oh, that's really cool. It really is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
So, uh, she, so Mother Carini was over in Golden, Cal, uh, Colorado. Yeah. yeah. Uh, learning about Mother Carini. Like I said, I'm a bit of a novice. I'm learning a lot about Mother mm -hmm. and her travels in the United States. But the three shrines in the United States are Golden, Colorado, Chicago, and New York. Mm -hmm. Now, I really distinctly remember Chicago because when I was, I believe, in third grade, our school had a field trip. And we went to the hospital, and all these kids were running out of the bus into the chapel and the nuns at the time were showing us around and they said and that's mother's arm there underneath the altar in a glass reliquary and all the kids went running down and were touching it and I was one of them I was one of them this is around the time I'm discovering my vocation possibly to the priesthood and it's just it was so real to see the body of a saint yeah so yeah. I'm learning a lot more about Mother in yeah. my role as rector. I'm just really f discovering so many nice stories. Right, right. But this one, yeah, were you familiar with the one about the water? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Uh, the, so that, is that water still flowing there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so when she, she just carved a sacred heart into the rock? Yeah. It's, and water came out. It's that's, amazing, isn't it? Yeah, that's, that's not normal. Yeah. Well, what was one, that? Could, one yeah. could say that God had something to do with that. <laughs> I better I better reach out to my contacts in Colorado and let me get my story straight. But yeah, yeah as far as I know, the, uh, the the whole the whole chain of shrines stretching the country. Yes, it, it's just an amazing presence. That's why they're so durable. Sure, they're so sure. durable because of her presence and her touching of that particular location. It was so important. Okay. We have another caller, Sister Renee, who is a missionary sister. Sister Renee, what can we do for you and what trouble are we in? Well, I just wanted to make a few additions to, to some of the comments that have been made. Uh -huh. um, <laughs> well, first of all, in, uh, in Denver, um, Mother Cabrini was there in 1905 and 1906. She bought a thousand acres uh, for a dollar an acre, and uh, they thought there was no water there. Um, but um, she did find some water uh, by just pointing a stick at a specific spot. She said, um, "If you dig right here, I think you're going to find some water." So and so they did, and so she built a house there for her orphans to go up in the summertime, and then later a retreat house, and it's a very popular shrine right up of I-70. Now okay. going to um, to um, her, uh, our New York shrine, um, the truth of the matter is, the New York shrine, her body is not there, just her bones. When they exhumed her body for beatification. They found that her some of her bones were incorrupt, so they uh, covered them in some a special kind of a metal, and um, so they put a habit on and a mask, and so it looks like she's incorrupt under the beautiful altar in New York, um, but she's not. Um, and then I wanted to say about the hospitals. The hospital, she people wanted her to start a hospital, but she really was reluctant to do so. So she had a dream, and in the dream, Mother Cabrini appeared, and she was looking after patients in a hospital. And Mother Cabrini, and Mother Cabrini said, what are you doing? And the Blessed Mother said, oh, I'm doing what you refused to do. 
Ouch. Well, then she started buying old hotels and turning them into hospitals. And just to add, she died when she was um, 67 years old, and she had started 67 schools, hospitals, and orphanages around the world. So we're very proud of our first American citizen, Mother Cabrini. Well, so next time I have Father here, you have to come. <laughs> well, we're, just, we're not going to put up with you just staying in the background and coming up with this stuff later on. We got to have you over here. Yeah, you, you, she'll have to educate us. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, thank you very much for calling in, sister. We appreciate that. Thank you, Father. I gave tours there at the shrine, and I love it. It's a beautiful shrine in Chicago. Oh, great. God bless you. Thank you very much. We have another caller. Hello, Kevin. Kevin, are you there? Hi, Father Mitch. Hi, Father Emil. Um, this is Fa Kevin in, uh, in Chicago. Park. Right. Hi, Father. I grew up in Lincoln Park in uh, St. Clement. Okay. And uh, the nuns always taught us about uh, Mother Cabrini and how important she was to the neighborhood and to the, uh, the church. Okay. A highlight, as Father Emil was talking about, was going to the shrine and um, getting a holy card and on the back of the holy card was like a little relic, uh, part of her house coat or something that uh, the nuns always gave us. And that was the highlight of going out to the shrine. Oh, nice. Nice. Do they still do that? Or have they run out of house coats? I think they're going to try to conserve them for a while. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. And, and have you been to the shrine since they've had this new jubilee, Kevin? I've been to the shrine, not since the Jubilee, but since they um, reopened the, uh, the shrine, since the hospital's been gone. Okay. Well, now that there's a Jubilee, you have to get over there because there is the uh, plenary indulgence, and um, they'll be over there to, to welcome you as, and everybody else. We really want to encourage people to... Um, and, you know, again, as someone who grew up in Chicago... I really want people to go there and pray for the city. The, it, the, the amount of killing and the, 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 that's going on, the drug use, the, you know, so many people are being shot in a city where you cannot even buy a gun or a bullet, and yet they're all over the place. All over, yeah. And it's, it's a horrible violence, and, and it's detestable. I, you know, as some of you know from the movie I did, uh, Wolf in Sheep's Clothing, you know, I witnessed a murder and I was shot at two other times. It's, it's been a violent place. And we need to ask Mother Cabrini's intercession for, to, to pray for the city, pray for the protection of the, the, you know, everybody, in particular, innocent kids who are getting shot. You know, just being in their bedrooms or in the car, you know. Yeah. This is something that we need God to come in. And I don't care that the schools and other places don't allow God to be mentioned. And I don't think a lot of the politicians want God to be included. But we are going to do that. We are going to be a people who pray. And, and along with our Protestant brothers and sisters, uh, we're going to pray for that city because this is, this is horrendous and irresponsible. And so we have to do a lot, a lot of praying for this. In fact, on Thursday nights, 
we, uh, the intention for our Thursday evening mass, 6 p.m., is for all those who have been killed in, in violence. And, yeah. And, and remembering the, those who have been murdered, those who are victims of violence, it's, yeah. it's a special intention. Every Thursday night at 6 p.m. Yeah. You know, yeah. we have to call attention to this. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you for calling in, Kevin. We appreciate that. Um, yeah, this is, you know, uh, we, we live in a time when there, there is a lot of violence, and we're, we're also living at a time when there are lots and lots of immigrants. I mean, you know, in some of these small towns like Del Rio, Texas, they, get, they already have 400,000 mm -hmm. new immigrants. I mean, this is overwhelming, and the church is doing a lot you know, to help, but it's, it's overwhelming. Um, and so we need to have folks who would be just as willing to serve right. the immigrant community as ever. It's, it's, a, it's a fulfillment, really, of what the Second Vatican Council called for. It's the universal call to holiness. Mm -hmm. All are called to holiness, and each of us in whatever our vocation are called to do what we can to make Christ better known. Mm -hmm. Fulfill our vocations by doing what we can. Yeah. So we begin in prayer. Yes. And, and that's why, for example, on October 15th at Holy Name Cathedral, we have this new statue dedication. We have a very generous friend who has donated this wonderful statue that's going to be revealed. And it's a reminder, it's a reminder that in Chicago, of all places, we have a saint. And we don't rest on the laurels of a saint, rather we build on top of that because Mother Cabrini would be the first to say, no, his heart. It is his heart whom we love. And right. so she always points to the Lord. And really, that's the whole purpose of celebrating this Jubilee year. This, the pinnacle of this Jubilee year is a statue dedication right in the center of the city. Yeah. Right in the center. Christ's love heals the world. As a matter of fact, Holy Name Cathedral still has a few pockmarks from a gun battle at Bugsy Malone's flower shop that was across the street. And when they were trying to kill him, there was fire back and forth. And, you know, to have those marks from bullets back in the 1920s, 20s, yeah. um, uh, you know, this is uh, the, you know, a reminder of, you know, the violence being everywhere and, right. and still being present there. So right. there's definitely a need for changes of heart where people don't want to use violence right. in the way that they interact with each other. Right. Some of, the, some of our local pundits would proclaim, I don't think that those are real bullet holes. I, I, we even have tours that come by all the time pointing yeah. it out. But the, the more important thing is that prayer has to be had. Yeah, yeah. Uh, prayers had to be had. And yeah, a statue, what's well, a wonderful reminder. Yeah. It's a wonderful reminder that here we begin on our knees. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's um, you know, something to have a local saint, and to to do this kind of honoring. I'm glad that Cardinal Supic is so committed to having this kind of devotion to Saint uh, Mother Cabrini to develop in the city. Um, another problem in the city is that a lot of people are not going to church. Yeah. They're just not going. Yeah. And as a result, a lot of churches are closing down. And it's not just Chicago. No. This is a nationwide problem. And one of the tasks that we have is to evangelize and get people returning to Mass. 
You won't have to close churches down so long as you preach Jesus Christ. Like she said, point to his sacred heart. Commit yourself to say, you know, Feast of Christ the King is coming up, you know, in November. Mm -hmm. And that is the feast set aside for us to commit ourselves to the sacred heart. Make a dedication. And to do that will help to evoke that faith in people that you don't just sort of say, yeah, I was, sort of, I was raised Catholic. No, I worship Jesus Christ. I'm committed to him. Right. And I want to receive his body and blood, soul and divinity at mass in my local parish. Right. We need to have that kind of revival going on as well. Cardinal Supich has been a great support in the, in the reintroduction of love of Mother Cabrini. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think the word devotion brings up uh, too limited a perspective. It's mm-hmm. not just prayers, but the Cardinal mentioned at one of our uh, ordinations the importance of Mother Cabrini in the totality of her vision mm-hmm. and her love of our Lord and therefore that compelling of wanting to serve was so important. And the Cardinal has said, this is a unique woman, an American citizen saint. Her ability to reach out and to live that vocation is an is and should be an inspiration to all of us, yeah. especially to the priests and bishops. By the way, when does the Jubilee year conclude? The Jubilee year concludes on November 13th, 2022. We will have a closing mass. Right. And up until then, we still have the uh, plenary indulgence. Yep. We have all the various prayers and, and devotions taking place. And the 13th happens to be her feast day. Her feast day. day. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's... Uh, it's always a conflict for me because it's also the feast of a Jesuit, St. Stanislav Koska, right. um, which is a great parish in Chicago as well. But um, yeah, no, we, to celebrate that Jubilee before the 13th of November would right. be a great idea. I want to, again, encourage people, if you want to find out more about the Missionary Sisters of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, go to mothercabrini.org. And also you can, to find out more about the National Shrine of St. Francis Xavier Cabrini in Chicago, go to cabrininationalshrine.org. Father, thank you very much for joining us. If you would join me in blessing our folks, may Almighty God bless you and keep you and cause His face to shine upon you and lead you in all of your ways by His peace. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. You know, we can bring Father Rommel and talk about St. Francis Xavier Cabrini and have all the other programs, even present the life uh, in movie form of Mother Cabrini, only because this network is brought to you by you. So we ask you, like Mother Angelica used to do, please keep us in between your gas bill, your electric bill, and your cable bill because that's the only way that we can pay all of our bills too. God bless you and thank you all.